0: Welcome, True Believer Readers, to Let's Read Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man, a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PacePod Patreon Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, you may also enjoy a podcast about setting higher goals. Sounds great, James B. Listen to Hey World Down There each week as Stiltman gets really tall and walks around trying not to, you know, trip and fall over stuff. And he gets, uh, really tall very quickly, too. 60 Glorious Minutes every Tuesday at 2 in the morning on the Pacepot Patreon Podcast Network.
1: If we could say he's trying not to squash anyone way down there. <laughs> he's trying to squash me. Great James B. Sounds good.
0: <laughs> From August of 1982, Stanley presents Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man 69 In Darkness Seldom Seen by Mantlow, Ed Hannigan
1: and Al Mingram. In a derelict theater, Cloak and Dagger break up a small-time drug ring and learn Silvermane is their supplier. I know a lot about Cloak and Dagger. I think this is their second appearance, though, so. Yes.
0: Yeah, look, she's all white. She's a blonde girl. She throws light daggers, and, uh, yeah,
1: Cloak is a black guy with a big dark cloak. And Yeah, we'll talk about it more later. Keep going. Spider-Man catches up with the young vigilante crusaders after they destroy a mob-run drug factory. When Spidey learns they are after Silvermane, he tries to stop them. But daggers beams of light pierce Spider-Man, chilling his blood and paralyzing him. Okay, well, she throws daggers of light, which
0: actually drain, like, vitality. Mm -hmm. And like I kind of mentioned, he attacks with a cloak, which engulfs people in a cold... Uh, like Paralyzing Darkness. You can also teleport, by the way. And in all my readings of them in the 1980s, they're always involved in the war on drugs. I don't know what they do after this, because I wasn't reading after this, but <laughs> that's what they were doing. I also want to say that the TV show of them has them being like teenagers, and they look like teenagers kind of on the TV show, oh. but they look a little more adult here. I, they look they look older. I, I, you know, if you told me they were in their 30s, I would have believed you, but they're supposed to be teenagers, so...
1: With Peter struggling at ESU in both his studies and relationship with Marcy Kane, he swings off to visit Jean DeWolf in the hopes of finding an address for Silvermane. Begrudgingly, DeWolf sends Spidey to the Kingpin for the address. The Kingpin obliges, but when Spider-Man breaks through Silvermane's bedroom window, Cloak and Dagger are only seconds behind him. Spider-Man quickly K.O.s Silvermane's guards, and although Silvermane is bedridden and unconscious, a booby trap protecting him injures Spider-Man. Cloak reminds Dagger she is duty-bound to kill Silvermane, and before Spider-Man can stop her, she blasts the aged criminal mastermind, destroying his life support, killing him.
0: You have a whole bunch of notes here. What do you want to talk about, Eddie?
1: There's three things we should mention in this book. De- book. Deb Whitman knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man because of Peter's fight with Biff and because she caught him swinging off where Peter was seconds before that. A dagger is reluctant to continue seeking and wounding drug-related criminals, but Cloak is fanatical. He's like a religious zealot or something about their duty to kill drug pushers um, who are working for the mob. And then Marcy Kane, Peter's ex-coworker, because he's not, I guess, working for Dr. Sloan as a grad student anymore, and possibly future romantic interest, is pissed that Peter is falling asleep in class while she sees his pictures in the newspaper.
0: I would like to mention that Cloak and Dagger, they're not quite Daredevil, Kingpin-level violence, but they're pretty violent.
1: They are killing people.
0: Yeah, they're killing. And Spider-Man doesn't have a lot of people just, yo, I didn't do it. It's kind of like when the Punisher first shows up that he's killing people before the mercy bullets. As long as it's not Spider-Man doing it, we can get away with it. And then eventually Spider-Man's like, not in my book, now you're all mercy bullets. So right now, Cloak and Dagger are running around and excellent Ed Hannigan has him drawing death blows constantly. Let's see if it keeps up with the next book. From September of 1982, Stanley presents Peter Parker of the Spectacular Spider-Man 70, The Great Cloak and Dagger Hunt by Bill Mantlo. Outstanding artwork by Ed Hannigan
1: and Al Minkram. You know I don't like that guy at Hannigan. All right, James B. Uh, A horde of Silvermane's goons, along with his doctor, shoot (laughs) through the door to his bedroom and attack Spider-Man. Cloak and Dagger have departed to hunt more drug hustlers. So while Spidey is busy defending and departing himself, Silvermane's doctor encases Silvermane's body into a canister with life support and hurries him away. Yeah, so Silvermane's a really old
0: man. He appeared in like a hundred issues ago. Uh, uh, he was he was an old man then, the but taverns. he was trying to get the Fountain of Youth. Then he kind of shrunk down to nothing, and I don't even know how he came back. But right now, he's just a really old man, and he's kind of dead, but he's not quite dead, so they're going to take his body and drag it away. Very smart that he had all these things prearranged, though. Yeah. That,
1: you know, he expected. This is the kind of guy that should be going up against the kingpin in our last podcast. Very clever. At the Bugle, J. Jonah Jameson gives Peter top dollar for some front page photos. Later when Peter's hanging out with Deb Whitman, he hears a police bulletin describing Cloak and Dagger and immediately ditches Deb. Deb definitely knows he's Spider-Man. Well, he's never technically been caught, but
0: his actions are leading her to believe she's correct. Unlike every other person who wonders how Peter gets all the photographs and why he's never in the same place as (laughs) Spider-Man.
1: Well, back to Silvermane, Uh, he has been revived, but with a robotic body. Spider-Man, Cloak and Dagger catch up with the bionic Silvermane underground, and the battle ends when a subway ceiling collapses. Renewing Dagger's light power, Silvermane is killed in this battle. Spidey pleads Dagger to leave Cloak, where she says they are bound mysteriously. Silver Rain has been around since that stupid
0: petrified tablet. He's died before. I hope he stays dead. Not a villain I enjoy, but I wish he was in the next book because the next book is not a very good book. (laughs) It's from October of 1982. Stanley presents Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man 71 with this gun. I kill thee written by
1: Bill Mantlo and art not by Ed Hannigan, but by Rick Leonardi. A young man is shot while attempting a robbery before Spider-Man can stop them. Not long after, Spidey's unable to stop a police officer from being shot. Both of these victims die. Peter is disgusted when Lance admires the photos from the crimes at the Bugle, and this sends Joe Robbie off on a diatribe about gun violence.
0: A uh, regular Daredevil establishment from our last issue. Uh, Josie, also a sponsor of Let's Read Spider-Man, Featured
1: in this book with uh, Hell's Kitchen Bar that she has there. I think it's the first time we see it. Uh, I, I thought it was quite odd to voice grievances about gun violence in, the, in a comic book.
0: Yeah, It's a filler book written to plug in when the main title is falling behind
1: deadlines. There's no plot progression. A different artist. Yeah. Yeah. It's just to plug and end gun violence. Joe Robbie says it's the fifth cause of death for children. In 2023, it's the most common reason children die. Ugh. Mm,
0: I don't know, Eddie, I did my, apparently we both started doing research on this because there's (laughs) nothing else about this book. I looked in 1980s. It said that 52% of all deaths in children is accidental. 24 is medical issues. Homicides are 3%. I'm not really sure what's you know, what's what? So, how much of all accidents are gun accidents? This is a misleading stat. I don't know why this is a big issue. But the next issue we're going to talk about is from November of 1982. Stanley presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 72, Waiting for Dr. Octopus
1: by Bill Mantlo, our best buddy Ed Hannigan has returned, and Al Mingram. All right, James B., got to give Ed Hannigan some credit here. The splash page is really fun. It has Spider-Man kind of, you know bleached out as he's moving around the city. It doesn't happen too often, but good job, at Hannigan. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, Ollie Oznick is excited about the news of his favorite <laughs> supervillain, Dr. Octopus. Uh, when he meets up with his buddies at Supervillain Club, his buddies poke fun at him, sending him into a rage. Ollie leaves to start his own supervillain career with imitation Doc Ock Arms.
0: Yeah, so the supervillain club, they do a nice job. They show all the villains sitting around. It kind of looks like you're seeing the Sinister Six, but they're all holding something sort of in front of their face so you can't see it. <laughs> and then when they all move, you can see that they're all like kids kind of in costume. They do something like this in the Spaceballs movies, too, and they capture the stunt doubles, and you're like, wait, those aren't the actual characters. Uh, it's kind of a cute
1: moment there. So, Which one is I your want. favorite one, James B.? Fake Favorite villain?
0: They're all fine. I'll take Sandman with little freckles. Who do you like?
1: I love Vulture with his fake bald head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, meanwhile, Peter returns home to find he's been robbed. As he's swinging off to catch the robbers, he finds Ollie in homemade Doc Ock regalia robbing a toy store. Spuddy quickly realizes it is Ollie impersonating Doc Ock, and instead of having him arrested, he takes him home. Ollie takes up a new obsession about Spider-Man. At the end, though, we see Deb Whitman at her psychiatrist explaining how she thinks Peter Parker is a Spider-Man. I cannot understand why Deb... Well, I understand why she's so obsessed with Peter now, but, like, she's been infatuated with him basically since the first time she saw him, I, and he's been nothing but rude to her. You know,
0: all women love this guy. They kind of do from the jump. I do have a theory about him, but I don't want to reveal it right now. Oh, interesting. Okay. I do want to say that I am pretty certain from my memory that your buddy Ollie Osnick, Yeah. I think I can picture him on the cover of another comic book coming up in the next couple of years. I don't think this is the end of this oh, character. Another character we're not going to be de- done with is Deb Whitman because she appears in the next book, which is from December of 1982. Hmm. Stanley presents Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 73 titled Peter Parker Dash. You are the Spectacular Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> by Mantlo, and now that you finally like
1: Ed Hannigan, he's gone, Al Mingram and Jim Mooney. In a flagrant act of patient confidentiality, Deb Whitman's psychiatrist approaches Peter to help him shock Deb out of her Peter's Spider-Man psychosis. Peter's not sure about it, so he heads to the bugle where Joe Robbie sends him to Boomerang's trial. This is From a couple issues ago, Boomerang's standing trial. Uh, Boomerang escapes the courtroom, but is quickly caught by Spider-Man. As Peter is departing the courthouse, he tags a suspicious character with a tracer. I just want to point out that I did not even remember Boomerang being in any of these books. (laughs) Please continue. Very, very side, not important story. Spidey tracks the shady character and comes upon the All and Doc Ock negotiating an alliance. The villainous pair cannot come to an agreement, but Spidey decides to swing in and try to capture them. Uh, there are hundreds of goons, some of them are with Doc Ock, some of them are with the Owl, who attempt to wrestle Spider-Man into submission to no avail, and Spidey is unable to web up the two villains before they escape. At the end, Peter agrees to help Deb's psychiatrist. I'm disappointed
0: that I didn't get a Daredevil issue in our last podcast about the Owl. The owl is a Daredevil villain. I could have definitely given you more feedback on him because I'm trying to make sure everyone understands who these Daredevil characters are that are going to be appearing all over our Spider-Man books. And here's the owl right there. Have you seen the owl in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, or in like, Marvel Team-Up before, Eddie? Wait, has he...
1: I do not think he's been in Spectacular, but he been maybe in team up? Marvel Team-Up one that's, time.
0: That's what I was thinking too. Like We I might
1: have seen so. him. I'd have to think about that. Well, this, this book is really just trying to get us into this next book james b yeah
0: because this is just about these two guys trying to work together but they don't want to work together in this book and uh the next book is from january of 1983 new year new years folks stanley presents peter parker the spectacular spider-man 74 fantasia written by bill mantlow bob hall and inked by jim moody and eddie i want to let you know we're going to spend a little more time on this book because this is
1: the best book, I think, of the bunch today. It is a good one. And it's it's a capper for Bill Mantlo, uh, who's written all the books we've covered today, all these Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Mans. Deb Whitman can't stop her nightmares about Peter Parker being Spider-Man, punching bad guys, and shooting webs, Deb's psychiatrist, Dr. Kuklin, I had to include this name because it's so close to cuckoo, right? (laughs) Pleads to have Peter dress as Spider-Man. To shock Deb out of her psychosis and... Peter won't help. Deb really needs a new doctor. This is such a nutty scheme. He's giving away all this important confidential stuff that they're discussing. Peter even says this is real life, not a comic book situation. Good on the book
0: for recognizing how silly it is. It makes it acceptable. Speaking of which, Deb's arguments make good sense. A rational person should be like, wow, yeah, maybe he is Spider-Man, but not Dr. <laughs> Bailey Cucklin, the Kuklin, as you say. Also, Eddie, um, physician- Patient privilege law prohibits a physician from disclosing information about a patient without the patient's explicit consent. Now, of course, Dr. Bailey Kuchlin has Peter in the other room listening. (laughs) I think that's a violation. Uh, These
1: doctors that Peter associates with are no good. Speaking of doctors... Peter heads over to ESU to ask Dr. Sloan for help regarding Deb's mental state, and he tells him she was recently cured in a hospital from being emotionally disturbed when he hired her. He sends Peter to Biff for the rest of the details. When Peter catches up with Biff, he learns that Deb was married to an abusive hu- husband, and Biff saved her from him. Peter rushes off to swing over to Deb's place as Spider-Man and allows Deb to remove his mask. Peter tells her he is Spider-Man and that she wasn't delusional. Incredibly, this shocks Deb out of her psychosis so much so that she decides to return to the Midwest to divorce her husband. I, I need to jump in
0: before you go here, Eddie. Sure. You didn't You didn't say he does remove his mask, and then she says to him, oh, Peter, you're just dressing up as Spider-Man. Yes. Thank you so much for being a good friend. That's her, her response yeah. to it. And then she decides, I'm going to take off and go divorce my husband. Eddie, her husband, not good to
1: her. Agree? Oh, no. He was terribly abusive. And she stayed with him forever, right? She did. Well, yeah, for several years at least. Eddie,
0: can you think of someone else who's been really, really bad to <laughs> Deb Whitman?
1: Uh, Peter Parker. The right? The Spider-Man.
0: This is not even a James oh, B. joking thing. Wow. He's He's such garbage to her, too. That's why she keeps getting drawn back to him. Right, you think the writer's thinking like
1: he's wow, James I mean, B. That's that's huh? you are that's great, James B. Impressive. I'm going to Reddit after this, <laughs> I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go post some stuff put your theories up, huh? Wow, well, this, this is a crazy reveal, anyways. Peter was like 100% ready to tell Deb he was Spider Man, like, no questions asked. This is gonna be it's a full page in this book, and I'm like, wow
0: right for like the wrong reasons though he's like oh i feel so bad for her i'm going to let her know that she's not crazy so here you go i'm going no, i'm going to no. just put her in put her in danger it's true but <laughs> whatever
1: i i mean he sees it as the only way to help solve her craziness it, it's not wrong she's like it, clearly very in very bad shape so
0: and her reaction isn't like i'm right the things i've been thinking about the whole time are right her reaction is like oh someone must have made you dress up do people all think that Doctors have their friends have them dress up as Spider-Man or something. Like, did they have this conversation of, you know, like, how do they both think this is a good idea? She's like, oh, you're just dressing up. Thank you.
1: You're a good friend. Yeah, it is hilarious that, like, the plan the terrible doctor said that they should do pans out to be exactly right. (laughs) Like, he was right from the beginning. If (laughs) she
0: had said, like, I saw in his notebook that he was going to ask you to do this. or I overheard him tell you on the phone. Like, I get it. Like, I would have been like, that's clever. True. But. You know, he did this before, too. He he revealed to his friends he was Spider-Man. I think he did it in front of, like, Harry and uh, Gwen, didn't he? He's done this move before. I think he might have needed the prowler to get out of it. I'm not sure how many times I confused my Spider-Man story since I've read, like, you know, over 500 of them. But he definitely has revealed his, himself before when he was going to quit being Spider-Man.
1: I think so. I think it was at uh, Gwen's Captain Stacy's house. Yeah, yeah, they all saw it. But then he
0: I think he gets set up by using the Prowler later. Yes. The Prowler shows up and is like, hey, Peter, here's here's that, you know, here's his five bucks I owe you or something.
1: He no, he away. says, you better get me my money or something like that. Oh, right. That, right? right. That, it's like the agreement. Right, where's my half of the money. Mm-hmm. That,
0: putting aside the strange situation with the reveal and the shock therapy, I don't like this ending for Deborah Whitman. I'm not opposed to this rushed ending to replace her because she's a boring, weak female lead, and there's a different, stronger female in this comic. But I would have preferred a true tragedy
1: or uh, Deb getting a backbone and leaving. That would have been so much better if she had been like, enough of this, Peter. Or if she, what if she had like, you know, gotten pissed off at Peter and been like, I'm going to the kingpin. <laughs> you know, I know you want her to deal. I,
0: You've been waiting for that villain turn. But Eddie, this book, by the way, this amazing book, Uh it's not even over. There's another part of the book we didn't even talk about yet, which has the Owl and the Doc Ock war continuing. And Spider-Man even says at one point, like, I don't even know what these two guys are fighting about. This war just suddenly happened. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. In between the Deb Whitman story, we see the Owl and Doc Ock again attempt to forge an alliance, but unable to mesh their egos. And so more punching occurs. Doc Ock angrily figures out he was tricked into stealing a fake activator from the kingpin. The kingpin's in here, too. The activator being something for a device that will help Doc Ock rule the underworld. I I was so distracted by all the things going on, I am not even totally remember what's happening there. I'll help you. At the end of this book, we see the black cat reclining against the chimney and calling out to her lover, Spider-Man, while holding the real activator that she stole from the Kingpin. I love how the Kingpin looms over everything so omnipotent. Uh, He's like, it's even better that the black cat gets one up on him, implying she's more clever than the Kingpin. Wow. So good. You
0: know I love two villain books. Now, I
1: don't know if these
0: villains really got too involved with the Spider-Man storyline at all. They were kind of doing their own thing. So it was almost like no villains, but there were so many of them that it was kind of like the other plot line in the book. It was still a good book.
1: It was a great book. Uh, Like, so much good stuff.
0: And we just talked about the Kingpin recently. Now, I don't know if our Kingpin here in 1983 Spider-Man is going to be... As cold blooded as the 1981-1982 Daredevil
1: uh, Kingpin, we're gonna have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. Just to be clear, like Doc Ock breaks into the Kingpin's, you know, main headquarters, rips open a safe, and takes the activator he needs. Uh, the Owl has the other piece of this, right, James B?
0: That's the whole thing. They, okay. they need they need the two they- pieces. Whoever has both of them can rule.
1: And yeah. uh, rule in what way? What does the activator do again? Yes. I, I tried rule. really hard. They're,
0: <laughs> they're going to rule. Stop reading between the lines, 13-year-old reader. Just, they're going to rule. With
1: the activator and the other part of the activator. But the, the black cat, like, immediately swoops in after Doc Ock stole it. And the kingpin has the real one. He's, like, you know, mocking Doc Ock for being dumb. And the black cat, cat takes it. Oh. Uh, Makes the black cat look so brilliant. You did a
0: good job with these summaries, and listeners, if you think Eddie did a great job with these summaries, whatever device you're listening on, there's got to be some place you can check off the good old five stars. We haven't asked for this in about a year, but go ahead and say, "Wow, you guys are great!" Here's five stars. It helps people find us. If you're thinking uh, uh, you're thinking of giving us like less than five stars, you know what? Just you know, kind of hold off on that for now. You know, just sit back and just rather you do nothing at that point. But uh, <laughs> five stars would be great. And Eddie, if people just want to email us because they
1: love to explain to you what this whole act is about, how can they reach us? <laughs> yes, please do that. You can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And I'm
0: James B., joined by Eddie. Remember, listeners, that Let's Read Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, is a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PaySpot Patreon podcast network you like this podcast you may also enjoy a podcast about fashion
1: yes let's talk about fashion james b all
0: right well you can join dr bailey kuklin as he encourages people to dress up that's right you can dress up as a spider-man if their friends think they're spider-man or you could dress up as jason from friday the 13th if your friends think they're an axe murderer if your friends think you're dead you could cover yourselves in pig blood that's a fashion statement Eddie, I know you're thinking that everyone's doing that these days, a lot of pig blood. So there is some specialized advanced therapy that only Dr. Bailey Coochlin offers. It involves something that you're very uh, proud of. That's 3D printed faces. So your <laughs> friends can see you as anyone they think you are. So come see Dr. Bailey Coochlin and bring your friends because if you don't, he'll probably just have them in the other room anyway. 10% discounts for members of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster.
1: No thanks, Dr. Coochlin, mister Cuckoo. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye. These books would have been the better books, except the other books are about to get good at the exact same time. We're about to enter 1983, Eddie. This is when... It's
1: the year of my birth, James B. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the year I the year I started buying comic books like crazy, and I was saying to myself, oh, excellent, somewhere, how, it's what, how many miles away is uh, Massachusetts, you think, from Michigan? You know, the, you're the traveler. 700. 700 miles away from here, there's a baby being born who one day will <laughs> talk about these books with me. But for now, I got to start reading and collecting until he's ready. <laughs> so told it the prophecy.